Today's daf is daf Kuf Yud Ches, page one eighteen. The Hilgah Mesachas Bava Kamen Perik Hagoyzel Umeichel, and we're going to pick up on Kuf Yud Zayin Umabayz one seventeen b at the Mishnah. Let's call it twelve lines, eleven or twelve lines from the bottom of Kuf Yud Zayin Umabayz. Says the Mishnah. Fascinating case, and that's going to uh, carry us over onto today's daf where we have an, have an additional Mishnah. Um, actually, a few additional Mishnahs. We're going to have a lot of Mishnahs on today's daf. And this is a famous Mishnah. It's famous if you heard of it. All right? It's called the Mishnah of Shatvanar. Shatvanar is as follows. I borrow your field, or in this specific case, I stole your field. We'll see how it's possible. And it got ruined. How did it get ruined? A flood. I didn't bring the flood. The field was next to a river. There was a major storm, and the field flooded. So I stole it last week. Now it floods. You know what happens? People become big tzaddikim. When their theft doesn't help them anymore. So the guy says, oh, I want to do tshuva. I want to give the field back to the original owner. Yes, the question is, is that considered a returning now that the field is ruined? Says the Mishnah Shotvanar, I'm a field floods. The robber go back to the original owner and say, here's your field. And this is considered to be repayment. Says the Gemara Tundra Rabbanon. The rabbis are on social media. So it steals a field from the Shotvanar and then it gets flooded. The Brysa seems to argue on the Mishnah. And it says you got to give a brand new field. You cannot give this flooded field back. Say, no, I'm they agree with our Mishnah. And the robber can say to the owner, Behold, here is your land back. Here you go. Says the Gemara, why do they argue? Where's, what's the source for each opinion? What source Rabbi Lazar says you got to give back a new field. He darshans are, are this the verses in the way of reboy. Reboy is an expansion, and miut is that it is limited. So where's the expansion and the limiting? It says in the Torah, "V'chichesh ba'amisai." Chichesh ba'amisai means you deny it to your friend. So if you deposit something by me, you come back for it, and I deny ever having, uh, ever having received it to another yid. So that's a reboy. That is a very expansive term, uh, term which tells us basically that you could, you could um, uh, steal anything. If you deny it, it's considered a theft. Now, pause for a minute. This seems to apply whether it's movable property, whether it's real estate. I'm just denying that I took it from you. Then it says, what did I deny? Bipikadon. Oh, specifically by a deposit. So it has to fit into the category of deposit for this to enter the category of a chichish. Now, and then when it says, or anything that you swear falsely about, that seems to imply anything, not just something that could be watched over. So riboy miut u riboy. We have a riboy miut or a riboy. Riboy hakol. The rule is, if you have an expansive term, a limiting term, and then an expansive term, halacha is you include everything besides for that which was specifically mentioned in the limitation. Okay? Uh, besides for that which is in limitation. Rebe kalmili, we include everything. Umay mi'et, so then what, what would we come to exclude? We're coming to exclude mi'et star. So we're only coming to exclude uh, documents. Okay? The Rabbanon, and the Rabbanon disagree. And the Rabbanon darshi klali uprati. Rabbanan Darshan, Klal Uprat. They say this is not a drasha of an expansive term and a limiting term. This is a, this is a Klal, a general uh, term, and a Prat, a specific term. So let's get into this. V'chichesh Klal. 
The word v'chichish, that he denies having received it, is a general term. But because specifically by a deposit, that's specific. We go back to general, the rule is both general terms are similar to that which is limited. Ready? Yeah. We are on Kufid Zayinu Mavis. Yeah. Okay. Um, and one, two, three, six lines from the bottom. Right in the middle. Mahaprat. Okay. Right in the middle, six lines from the bottom. Kufid Zayinu Mavis. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, I'll fill you in in a moment. What's going on? Mahaprat Dover Hamatalta Bagufa Mama. Just like that which is specific is movable and has intrinsic value. Which is not a document. A document represents value. It doesn't have intrinsic value. I've called davar matalta begufei mamon. Yotzer karkoyis excluding land. Shein matalton. It's not movable. Yotzer avodim excludes slaves. Shuk shulik karkoyis has same halacha as land. Yotzer stories and it also excludes documents. Shafa pisha matalton ein gufei mamon. Even though it's movable property, it doesn't have intrinsic value. Let's pause for a minute and catch the ilum up. Okay. Let's just mention first the machlekes that we're dealing with. We started with the mission a few lines ago. Mamish just started. The Mishnah says, <clears throat> somebody steals a land. Can you steal land? We'll see. Somebody steals land. A week later, the river floods and the land is ruined. The Ganav suddenly, suddenly, I'm, I'm using this term with quotations, decides he wants to do tshuva and give the land back. Now he's a gracious tzaddik. Yeah? He wants to give it back. I mean, what, what use does he have for it? It flooded. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well do tshuva, right? Might as well do tshuva. So the question is, can you give back the same land and say, here's your land I took, or not? The Rabbanon said you could say that. And Rebbe Yadza says you cannot. You have to give him a new piece of land. And what the Gemara just did is explain that Rebbe Yadza says you need to give a new piece of land, learns the Sukkim and the Torah, which describe the returning of the object that you stole, the drasha is in a way of riboy umiyot, which is one specific way to, to darshan. The rules of riboy umiyot is that we follow everything. The expansive term, it's anything except for that which is mentioned specifically. Okay? So something that needs to be deposited. That's Rebbe Yezer. And Rebbe Yezer says, can't be deposited. Okay? So you're going to be obligated to give a new piece of land. But the Rabbanon Darshan with the Kaluprat. Kaluprat, general specific. The rule is Kaluprat Uklal. So then both general forms are limited to that which is uh, mentioned specifically. And since that which is mentioned specifically, which in by loans is like an ox or a garment, those are movable and they have intrinsic value. It excludes. Payment from something that's not movable, for example, real estate, or something that doesn't have intrinsic value, which means like a document. If you deny having a document, that, that represents something else's value. It itself does not have value. So the Gemara says, you know, the machlaik, the, we have a clear understanding why they argue. The dispute is whether to darshan the verses in a way of ribu yumiyot, or to darshan the verses in a way of kalal uprats. That's how the Gemara wants to explain the, uh, the machlekes over here. Okay. Says the Gemara, v'hadetanya. And this that we learned in the Brayshah. Somebody steals a cow, shtofanar. And then you steal a cow, and the cow is standing near, the, sitting on the beach. Ah, enjoying itself. Yeah, acting like a cow. And now the, um, 
You know how you act like a cow? Do nothing. Do nothing. I don't know what cows do. They eat. They have a musaf. Very good. So the river washed away the cow. You got to reimburse a cow. The ganuv could say to the owner, Here is your cow back. I don't understand. What's the machlekas over there? Yeah. Over there, that it, you, you see it has nothing to do with how you darshan a ribo yomiyot, or whether it's a klalu prat, and they still argue, what are we dealing with by the case of the cow? The case is, you didn't steal the actual cow, you stole a field. And there was a cow on the field, and then the river both ruined the field and the cow. Rebbe Lazar says, and the Racham say, same approach that we had before. Period. End of that Gemara. Now on the top of today's daf, Kufir Ches Amad Aleph, second line, first Mishnah for our Amad Aleph. We're going to have three different Mishnayas just on the first Amad. Here we go. All right? Brand new Gemara. Chavra, follow along. Give out. Hagaizel es chaveray, Aisha Hilva Mimenu, Aisha Hifkidlai. A guy steals, borrows, or denies that something was deposited by him. Three ways that I have something from you illegally. Either I steal it, I borrow it, or it's deposited by me. So, by Yishuv, by Yishuv, if we're in the town, if we're in a Yishuv, a place where the Eilamas lives, you can't give it back in the middle of the desert. I, I love this. Because you always have those chavra. You have those chavra. You give them something, right? You give them something. And they, they find like the worst time to catch up with you about it. Okay? Like, not now. No, it doesn't need to be like five minutes before Shabbos. You, you might hear why Hillel got irritated. Or could have got irritated if he didn't have... You know, me this. I don't have hillos, me this. But sometimes you'll, you know, somebody, and punk they find the most like atrocious time. I'm sorry. To, to, no, to, <laughs> to, no right? To give it back. So I give you something. I ask, I say, uh, no, Rabia. So Rabia, you, you asked me to watch your chicken. So you have a chicken. You're going out of town. You say, tell them there, my chicken's a beautiful chicken. Her name is Schmaltzy. Do you mind watching her? Make sure, no problem. I'll watch Schmaltzy. My, the Tamla family used to have Shmalti the chicken. She got ran over by a car. All right. On Yeshivali? On Yeshivali. So, um, fine. So you, get, you give me. How long am I watching it for? I agree to watch it for a week. A week later, it's now that day, and you're at the uh, Beis Yaakov dinner, the MB dinner. That's the middle of Beis Yaakov. I'm like, oh, Fashtetzach, Rabiel's going to be there. I might as well bring the chicken. It's a good place to return it. Brilliant. Brilliant. Says says the Mishnah. But Yishuv, if it's given to you in town, don't give it back in the wilderness. Don't make it more difficult for people. If I said like this, if I said you could deposit it by me, but I'm letting you know, whenever my I'm watching it, whenever I decide to give it back to you or wherever, that's what I'm doing. I give back to you. That was the, that was the uh, agreement. Okay? So now you have to know why, what's the chiddush here? What's the novel idea? The Gemara will get into this. Says the Gemara, Let me ask you a contradiction. Milveh, 
Mishtalemes bechol makam. A halva alone could be paid anywhere. Avedo bekotan e mishtalemukayim. But if I find something or something was deposited by me, then you have to give it back in the same setting that you got it. Now, what does this imply? I shouldn't say it imply. What does this Brisa state explicitly? What, where do I return a loan? Mikol Mokam. Anywhere I want. So why does our Mishnah in the beginning say you cannot return it in a wilderness? The wilderness is a place. Amar Abai, Abai says, what this Brisa means to say is, not that you pay back the loan, but if you see me out in the Midbar and I borrow money from you, you could demand the money back no matter where. Okay? Now, if I want to bring it out to you in the desert, you could say, no, 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 I'm not accepting it back. I'm not accepting payment here. Why don't you want to accept payment? Because you don't want to take a credit in the middle of the wilderness. Why do you want to be responsible for it out here? I'm going to have to now schlep it back into town? Or what if it's money and there's bandits out in the wilderness? You have no right to return it to me and now, and now it's at risk? So you say, tell the borrower, excuse me, go put it in the bank. Right? Go, go bring it back to town. I'm not accepting it here. But when it comes to something which was lost or a deposit, that could be demanded only in, uh, only in that same place. Okay? So which means that if somebody lost, lost something or was deposited in a specific town, you can only demand that it be given back in that place. You can't demand it to be given back in a different place. But bottom line is, this has nothing to do with the person repaying. This is only dealing with the one who is demanding the article back. Okay, says the Gemara Viter. Almanas Lotzeis Bamidvar. What if I said, you know, I'm happy to watch. I'm happy to watch your money. I'll be a Shomer. But I just want you to know, I'm accepting responsibility on condition. I can give it back to you wherever I want. Okay? So you can do it wherever you want. Says Gemara Pshita, what's the Chiddush? What's the Chiddush? Of course you can give it back. That was your condition. Says Gemara, Lei Tzricha. No, the Chiddush over here is, the Omar Lei, where the... One who gave it to the Shomer said, Yeah? The one who gave it, let's say Reuven gave a deposit to Shimon. Okay? <clears throat> and he says to Shimon, hold on to it because I'm going to the Midbar. And Shimon says, I'm also going to the Midbar. Now did he tell him, so I'm going to give it back to you there? No. no. The Chiddush, the Mishnah is, you could give it back there. As long as you informed the giver of the deposit that your intention... You didn't even didn't say it explicitly. Your intention is to be there with him. That is enough of an implication that allows you to give it to him in that place. Okay? So here we go. Let's pause for a minute. Take a step back. Halacha Lemaisa. Reuven gives an article to Shimon to watch. They're in town. Reuven says to Shimon, I'm going out of town. Shimon's like, where are you going? He says, I'm going to Eretz He says, me too. I'm also going to Eretz Incredible. Shimon can return the deposit in Eretz Why? Obviously he's giving it to That's him enough. he doesn't want to take it with him to Eretz No, not necessarily. He just doesn't want to be responsible for it. He wants somebody else to be responsible for it. Some people are more nervous then others, or you could have a situation where, um, where you know, uh, 
especially picturing travel back then. You have one person who's going on a boat where they don't allow carry-ons. So it's check-in luggage. You're going with, check- you're going with carry-ons. I prefer you take it in your carry-on. Right? Rabbi Friend has a speech uh, titled, something, I'm going to mess it up, but you don't check in valuables. Right? A yid knows, you keep your talismans filling with you. You don't check it on bottom. The same way your diamond jewelry should never be checked on bottom, you keep it in your carry-on. Things that are, the things that are valuable, you keep, you keep near and dear. So you can have a situation like that too, where one person doesn't have... So you want somebody else to, to hold on to it for him. Next Mishnah. Somebody says to his friend, I stole from you, I borrowed from you, you gave me money, you gave me this. Mamish, incredible. I walk over to Rabarin. Rabarin, I say, Rabarin, let me tell you something. Either I stole from you, or I borrowed from you, or you gave me something, and I don't remember if I ever gave it back. Okay? The halacha is, Chayav l'shalim. Okay? The halacha is, you need to, I, I, I need to pay back. Now, I don't know what you're claiming yet. I don't know what you're claiming yet. But if I say I'm responsible... I'm sorry. If I say I'm on, I, I, I knew I was responsible and I don't know anymore, you got to cover your bases. Got to cover your bases. Okay. What, why don't you say I'm going to right? Let's see. Gamora's going to have to explain. Yeah, you're right. Correct. Okay. All these things, yep. Yeah. It'll all be helped once we know what the case is okay. in the Gemara. Avol im omar But if let's say I say to Rabaran, any idea im gezalticha, I'm not sure if I ever stole this from you. If I ever borrow from you, if God maybe I once borrowed from you, I'm not responsible because I'm, I'm unsure whether I ever had a responsibility in the first place. Okay. Says Imar, we learned. If Reuben says to Shimon, you owe me a hundred bucks, I have a hundred dollars in your possession. And Shimon says, any day, I don't know. Why? This is what Rabbi Ravinsky brought up, right? You have a Bari Veshema. What's the Bari? Ruvain's claiming that Shimon owes him money. Shimon's like, I don't know. So the one who knows has the upper hand. Bari Yadav. Rav Nachman, Rav Yechonamar, Potter. They say you're still Potter. Why? The other side Rabbi Ravinsky mentioned. And that is, If you want to pull it out of my possession, prove it. So whoever's, whoever's position, uh, whoever's possession... It's in now. He's the, he's the owner. Tanan, now we learned in our Mishnah. I don't know if you lent me money. You don't need to pay. What's the case? If you're going to say, the lender never asked. So here's what happened. I walk over to Rabar. I'm like, Rabar, did I ever borrow money from you? I may owe you money. And you're like, I, I don't know. I don't know. So if that's the case of the Mishnah where we say, that you're not responsible. Reishanami like a tavale. It's got to be that in the Mishnah, nobody's demanding money of him. So then I'm If Rabbi is not demanding money from me, why am I responsible? Nobody knows for sure that there's a, there, not, anything has to be repaid. Ella the katavale. It's got to be where Rabbi is demanding the money. The katani safe apart from the Shalim. It still says in the Mishnah, if I'm unsure, I don't need to save. I, I don't need to pay. I'm sorry. You say pay me. And I'm like, eh, I'm unsure. I don't need to pay. Now here's the problem. Because in the original statement, in the original approach to the Machlekes, 
we said that whenever you have a bari v'shema, who wins? Bari. So, what would be the halacha if you tell me, you know I owe you a hundred bucks? And I'm like, I don't know. What should be the halacha? I have to give it to you. Because you're a bari and I'm a shema. Why did we say in the seifa, I don't? If I said I'm uncertain, we said you don't, you don't even. It's more a lie. There's no question here. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you what the case of the Mishnah is. Really? Nobody's, nobody's sure that the money's owed. Nobody's claiming the money from me. But the first case of our Mishnah is, A court is certainly not going to make you responsible, but if somebody knows that at one point he owed money, if you want to do the Ratz and Hashem, you should pay back. See, here's what happened. First case of the Mishnah. Let's clarify. And this is the end. This is the, this is the Maskana. First case. I walk over to Rabarn. I'm like, Rabarn, I know for a fact I once stole from you. I once borrowed from you. You once deposited something by me. And I don't remember if I ever gave it back to you. He's not claiming against me. He's minding. He's not a barrier. The ratio says I should pay back. Why? No one's demanding the money. If you know for a fact that there was a point in your life where you owed him money and you're not sure. Well, you don't know. You're saying. But you knew there was a time for sure. You think that there was a time. No, not that you think. I know for sure. I know for sure. I just don't remember if I paid back. Okay. Then I need to pay. However, your case, where let's say I'm, I'm not sure if it ever was at all, then the halacha is don't pay. Even bidei shamayim. This is a fascinating halacha. This is very applicable. It's mamish applicable. I can think of times in my own life, mm-hmm. right? Where you're a teenager, whatever it was, you're, you know, you're with your chaverim and yeshiva. I, don't, I can't think of a specific example uh, per se, but I'm sure it came up and I was too young to eat for it to even bother me. Okay? Where what happened? Yeah, the guys let each other use their, each other's footballs and basketballs and baseballs. Like, yeah, my friend always lets me use the baseball, right? So what do you do? You steal it. You go and you take the baseball because you know your friend's going to let you use it. And then your friend goes looking for the ball and he can't find his ball. You're like, anybody use my ball? You're like, yeah, I know how you I took the ball. I just don't remember if I put it back. If you know that you ever took the ball but you just don't remember that you put it back, you should give him a new ball. But... That's what the Mishra says. B'day Shemayim. Because you knew there was a time where you were obligated to put it back. But if you, I myself, I'm like, I remember thinking about borrowing a ball. But I don't remember if I actually ever took it. Then even B'day Shemayim, you don't have to go so far as to reimburse. It's a very important uh, a place to be. Uh, subtlety. Yeah, there's, there's a very important subtlety that comes up in, uh, in, a, in a common way. Is there? All right. Says the Gemara Baiter. In Marnami, we learned the Raisa similarly. I don't know. You're obligated to pay only if you want to get yourself off the hook. Period. End of the Gemara. We're now up to the third Mishnah, the final Mishnah on Kufir Chesavad Aleph. Here we go. Next case. Incredible. Somebody steals a sheep from the pen. And then he gives it back. Very interesting. So now, the owner has no clue. Owner has no clue. I go, I steal a sheep, I just feel bad, I put it back the next day. Okay. Umes, I nignav. 
and then it dies, or it was stolen. Chayov Yusai, the one who stole it, he is the one who's responsible. Mamish incredible. The first guy. Huh? First guy's what, what was no, the Ganav. Yeah, the first Ganav. Uh, After he returned it. After he returned That's right. So let's give the case. Ruvain owns sheep. Shimon steals the sheep on Sunday. Sunday night he feels bad. I'm going to put it back. I don't want, Sh- want Ruvain to know, says Shimon. But I'm going to put it back. Monday he puts it back. Tuesday it died. Or it got stolen by Levi. The halacha is, Shimon still has to reimburse Ruvain. The first Ganav is the one who has to give it back to the owner. He's responsible for it. Now the lumdus over here, the smara, the logic over here is... Huh? Yeah, I was going to say it's a hard thing to understand. Okay, so here's, what, here's what's not hard to understand. By taking it from the pen, he acquired it. When you give it back, you never notified the real owner... So he never knew that he's getting it back in his possession. So the first Ganav keeps holding on to the ownership. It's his chutzah. Huh? It's chutzah's time for him. Not necessarily. We'll see. We'll see. Not necessarily. Just to put, if you steal something and then put it in somebody's backyard and walk away, is that considered, uh, is that considered put back? But if I walk down the street and I put something in your chutzah, if it's not Shimer, no, if it's not Shimer, it's not a return. It is, there's a fence around it. So to, to, well, a pen, a pen has a fence. So let's see, we have to explain. Good, uh, good. Yeah. So we have to explain why it's not given back. Okay. Um, what happens if the owner didn't know anything, but in the meantime, he counted his sheep. That's all he knows. On Monday, he counted his sheep and the sheep was back. So then, Potter, the first uh, Ganav, is going to be Potter. Okay. So, um, if the owner knew that it was stolen, then the Ganav has to let him know it's back. If the owner never knew it was stolen, then as long as when he counts his sheep again, he has it back, it's considered a return. Omar Rav. Rav says, Ladas. If there's Das, what's Das? The owner knows. Uh, Ladas, if it was stolen with Das, then Tzarech Das. You have to let him know it's back. If the owner ever knew it was stolen, the owner has to know it's been brought back. Shalai Ladas, if the owner never knew it was stolen in the first place, then Minyan, if he counted his sheep after that, and he found they're all there, Pater. And where do we say when he counted and that they were all there, you become butter? That's going on the Seifa. That's going on the second part of the Mishnah. Okay? Where the owner did not know of the theft, then you need the counting for it to be considered back. If he did know of the theft, um, then the counting it is not going to be enough until you actually let him know that it's put back. Shmuel Amar Shmuel says no. Shmuel argues on Rav. And he says, he explains the Mishnah. Whether the owner knew was stolen in the first place on Sunday, minion putter. If he ever counts it on Monday and the numbers are back, then the gun of his putter. It's going on the entire Mishnah. In any case, whether or not the owner knew about it, if at some point he counted his sheep and he's like, hey, I thought it was stolen, but I still have 30 sheep here. Okay? Even if you don't inform him that it's back, the halacha is the gun of his putter. The owner has now taken on responsibility to count all 30 sheep. That's the Machlikas, Rav and Shmuel. Rabbi Yechanan says, Ladas, if the owner knows that it's stolen, 
minion and he counts it, counts his sheep, putter. Then the God of his putter. Shalayla das, if the owner never knew it was stolen in the first place, afinu minion nami leitzarech. Even counting is not going to do anything. And so why did our Mishnah, what case would our Mishnah saying when he counted the sheep, they were all there, the gun of his potter? That's only Arisha. That's only going on the first case when the owner knew that it was stolen. Rav Chista has another uh, approach. Again, so far we have Rav, Shmuel, Rabbi Echiron. Now comes along Rav Chista. Rav Chista says, Ladas, if the owner knew that it was stolen, Minyan, and then he counted his sheep, Paiter. The Ghanav is no longer responsible. The owner knows it's back. He's got responsibility in all 30 sheep. Shalai Ladas. If let's say the owner was not aware that it was stolen at all. Tzarech Das. Then the Ghanav has to let him know. It's not enough that he counts it. When did I say it makes a difference that he counts it? That now it's considered back. That's only going Arisha. On the first case again when the owner never knew. Amar Rava. Rava says. Top of Kuf Yerches Amad Beis. My time with Rav What's the logic for this, uh, um, what's the, the, the logic for the source of Rav Chista's psak? Hoyil, since the Ankita, um, Ankita. Rashi said, uh, I'm just going to translate this as, uh, it's incredible. It knows about it. Since the sheep knows about it, the not sheep. The, the sheep. sheep yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what this means in a moment. Nagri Briyasa, it's already considered outside the pen. I want to explain what this means. This is an incredible. It's taste freedom. It's mamish incredible. Yeah, it's incredible psychology that it works with instincts because animals don't even have das. But listen to the reality that this, the Gemara says. It, it's, it's, we need to be so careful with this in our own personal lives. Here's the issue. Let, let's speak logically. Reuven has 30 sheep in his flock. Shimon takes it. So the opinion is, the other opinions, besides Rav Chista say, that... If, Reuven, if Shimon gives it back without telling Reuven, but Reuven at some point counted his sheep, it's considered returned because now Reuven knows he's still responsible for 30 sheep. It's not 29, it's 30. So why should Shimon be responsible? To tell Reuven. Rav is coming to explain Rav logic to be, I'll tell you why you still need to tell him. Because this sheep was stolen on Sunday. It left the pen. It left the Kehillah, and left the community. And now the sheep is brought back on Monday. This sheep has tasted freedom. freedom. Can you tell all the others? Well, <laughs> there's a different type of watching that you need on a sheep that's been out and been, you know, living the club life, or a sheep that hasn't. And therefore, says Rava, this is the logic for Rav Chista, why it's not enough that the owner counted. You have to let the owner know what happened in the sheep's life. The owner needs to be aware. Otherwise, it's, not, it's still not fair that you just gave it back without telling him. It's good. You cite this. Foundational. It's a foundational idea. We have to, first of all, for ourselves. Secondly, for learning how to understand other people. There's a different way that you 
that, that we express ourselves, that we interact, that we have expectations of somebody who's not tasted certain things and somebody who has tasted certain things, it, it, it can't be dealt with the same way. It doesn't have the same, doesn't have the same approach. It says, Gemara, Mi Omar Haki, does Rabbi have this? Sheep, yeah, yeah. No, so I said Avada sheep don't have das, but you see that it, even yeah, no, with, no, even no, with no, instincts. Well, I mean, but, but you have to assume that that's the, the Gemara telling you that there is a certain amount of similarity. Right, right. Just because of instincts. Right. Once I know of something, it's there. Yeah. Beautiful, right, very important. Umi Yama Rabba Haki does Rabba hold to this. Yama Rabba Rabba says, Hai man dechazi lecharvei da'agvei imra me edre didei. You see somebody stealing a sheep. So you scream at him and he puts the sheep down. And the owner doesn't know whether the animal was given back or may say and then it died. The guy is still responsible. My love, the money. So you see this is true even when the owner counted his sheep. So this is a proof. I'm sorry, so this is a question on what Rava said before. We see that uh, you're gonna be you're gonna be chayv. Says the money. It's only when he did not uh, he did not count it. Okay, the Misa the um, Rava could fit in with Rav Chista. Says Rav Hachi. Did Rav say his first opinion? Now Rav, remember we had four opinions. We have Rav Shmuel, Rabbi Yechidon, and Rav Chista. Rav was the first opinion. Rav says that if the owner knew it was stolen, then you have to tell the owner that it's back. If the owner does not know it was stolen. If he counted it, it's considered returned. That was Rav. Umi Yama Rav Hachi, does Rav hold this? Yama Rav, Rav elsewhere says, If you steal some, if, if you steal a sheep, and you give it back, put it back in the flock, when it's out in the desert, you fulfilled your obligation. Now when the sheep are out in the, the see, here's what you want to do. You have a guy. It's a different, uh-huh. it's a different circumstance, a different return. Yeah, so you have a guy who steals, steals a sheep. Now, you don't want the owner to know. But you want to put it back. So you know what you do? Very, eh? yeah. you, you go out to the desert right. where you know his flock is and you just slide it back in. Right. Slide it back in. So um, Rob says you fulfill your obligation. It's considered a return. That doesn't fit with what we're saying. No. Rob says in R over here, you got to count it to be considered a return. There he says anyway. Rob agrees that by, by rakuasa, you don't need to count. What does this mean, rakuasa? Rakuasa, we'll just translate over here to mean, in context, a simon. A simon. A noticeable sign. Which means like this. I've got 30 sheep. In my 30 sheep, most of them are white. And then there's a few sheep. One sheep has a few brown splotches. One sheep it looks a little bit like a zebra. One sheep, eh, they've got some, some funny looking ones. All right? If you steal a funny looking one that, and put it back, even if the owner didn't count it, he'll notice that it's back. And that's where Rob says you could slide it back in and that's considered a return even though the owner has accounted. But if it's a regular looking sheep without identifying features, then Rob's going to say it's only considered a return if the owner has, has counted. Again, because this makes sense. Because what's the logic of counting? That you know that the owner knows. So again, whether he counted it, he knows. Or if it looks, uh, it's an identified one, he also knows. Okay. Let's say this is all like 
this, this, uh, these opinions of Rav Shmuel, Rabbi Chanan Mechista, Hagoyinim Klam Eidus, Rabbi Shmuel, Shifam Aflak Veselam and Akis, where you steal money from a kiss, from a pouch. Lamakam Shikon of Yaksha, you give it back to the same place that you got it from. Deep Rabbi Shmuel's opinion of Rabbi Shmuel. Let's pause for a minute. Rabbi Shmuel says like this You take money, for, uh, not, none of us. Yankul takes money from the Shul Pushka. He goes home, and he's like, oh, I can't do that. He goes back, puts it back in the Shul Pushka. Says Rabbi Shmuel, you're fine. Put it back the same place you got it, you don't got to open your mouth. You're good. You put it back in singles, not in $10. Doesn't, yeah, whatever, you put it back. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Uh, well, it's a return. It's considered a return. No, you have to let the owner know that you're returning it. You can't just put it back into the same matziv. The owner has to know. Okay. Savrua, they thought, the Chevron Yeshiva, thought, the Kuli Alma Islahud Rabbi Yitzchak, everybody holds of Rabbi Yitzchak, who says what? The Alma Rabbi Yitzchak, Adam Osil Mashvikisa Bechol Shah. Everybody holds of Rabbi Yitzchak, who says that people are aware of their cash. Okay? What's in his pocket? We're all aware. This is a general rule when it comes to lost objects. When it comes to lost objects. Um, you're allowed to keep things that the owner has abandoned and given up on. If the owner has not yet given up, you cannot keep it. Halacha lamaisi, you can't. Money, you could always assume people know. Because the fact of the matter is, most normal people, even if you're not obsessed with money, you'll know very shortly where your wallet is. You could feel the wallet. It's either in the back of your pants, in your pocket. People have a habit. We're aware. Even if it's like in the back of our minds, we feel like, we'll know pretty quick where our wallets are. So a person finds, or money, a person finds a few dollars on the floor, you know the owner's aware that it's gone. Okay? Because people have a habit, a habit to feel for their money. So let's assume this is a fact. So my love, Besela Ladasu Plukdud Rav Shmo. Now what's the machlekes between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Shmo? The case is, where the money was stolen, the owner knows... And we have this, it seems to be the same machaikas that we said earlier between the Amairam, Rav and Shmuel. And it's not, the, and, and the Bryce is not dealing with the case of the sheep. Okay? Because Rabbi, uh, um, Rabbi uh, Akiva and Rabbi Shmuel are dealing with money. They're dealing with money. But they're not dealing with sheep. Because by the case of sheep, do you have the logic of Rabbi Yitzchak? No. Rabbi Yitzhak's whole logic was why you're responsible to notify the owner if you're giving it back is because the owner, by the time you took it out of the pushka and brought it back a little bit later, the owner would know. So you gotta, there's an opinion. You might have to let him know that it's back. But by a sheep, not necessarily. No, I would say, I would say any business, any person in any business that he's in, he knows you know, if it's a reasonable amount, I mean, if he got into a, a, a huge business. He, that's by business. That, that's by money, I mean. No, but it's money. By, by items you know? You don't know by items right away. Yeah. No, a guy's got 30 sheep. He's not going to know with, He's not going to know soon if one sheep's gone. Necessarily. If it's a reasonable amount, even the reasonable number, you know what, what you have and what you don't have. Okay, what if it's, if it's one sheep out of 30, you don't have the rule of Rabbi Yitzchak. Rabbi Yitzchak says this rule by cash, he doesn't say this rule by sheep. 
Amar, okay, so that's the, the so Amar of Zvid, Meshved Rav, Zvid has the name of Rava. The Gainab Mirshus Bailam. I'll tell you the case. The case could be when a person stole a sheep from the owner. Kuli Amalei Pligi Kiz Rav Chista. Everybody will agree with Rav Chista. Okay, what will they agree? And I think this is what Yale was just saying. They'll agree, you have to, you have to let the owner know. If it's from his domain. So you stole it Bamish directly from his property. Not like he owned a farm. And he's got people working for him. He stole it from his backyard. Right. You're going to have to let him know. Here we're dealing with a shimer who stole the animal. And you want to give it back to the place that you got it from. So what happened was like this. You ask me to watch your animal. And I take the animal. I take the animal. Um, how do I take the animal? How do I do it? Very simple. Rabbi Ravinsky is going to Iowa, and your sheep need to be fed. So you come to me, you're like, I'm going to give you, you mind feeding my 10 sheep tomorrow? I'm like, sure, no problem. Then I start working with the sheep in the morning. I'm like, hey, this is kind of fun. I like pet sheep. What I'm going to do, maybe Rabbi Ravinsky won't notice. I'll take one sheep and put it on the side. I'll give him back nine. Okay? So you, get, you put it into my domain, asking me to watch it, and then the Sutton starts coming. And Sutton's, so I, I separate that one sheep with the intention of stealing. I, I just stole that because my mom is separated from the, from the flock. And here is where we have the Machlekes because he's still in Iowa and he doesn't know what's up. Rabbi Kiva Savar calls Salash Mirase. Rabbi Kiva says that for that sheep, I'm no longer a Shimer. I'm now a Ganav. That one sheep that I separated, I'm now a Ganav, and I, ha- I must let the owner know. Rabbi Small Savar like calls Salash Mirase. No. Um, I'm not considered, just because I separated the sheep doesn't mean that I lost my Shmira on it. I was still responsible for it. And therefore, if I do, do tshuva, and I change my mind, I don't have to let the owner know. I can just put it back uh, into the flock. Lema minyan paiter tanai. Okay, says the Gemara. Let's now get on to one specific idea, which we said, that if you return it without letting the owner know, and then the owner counts as sheep, so he should know what's left in his flock, you're putter. Says the Gemara, let's say that this halacha is also a source of a dispute. It's not... It's not uh, widely agreed upon. The time we learned the Rebbeis, somebody steals from his friend. And he includes it in some other cheshbin. I don't want to let the owner know that I'm paying him back. Rashi says the guy's embarrassed. So I, I do it somewhere else. You understand the case? Yeah? It's very simple. You can you mamashin this. Yankel steals something from Barry. What did he steal? Um, $100. Steals $100 from Barry. Barry has no clue Yankel stole. Yankel really wants to do tshuva. Yankel's like, how am I going to get the $100 back to Barry without Barry knowing I stole from him? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Barry is getting married next week. I'm going to give him a $150 wedding present. And I know that $50 is really the wedding present. And 100 bucks is Vahesh Shabbat You're a scoundrel. Huh? You're a scoundrel. I'm trying to return the money in a way that's not embarrassing. Oh my gosh. 
What's oh my gosh? Dave, I mean, should I tell you something? This is normal. Oh, yeah. This is normal. I would say, I agree with you. Huh? It's exactly. Person feels bad. Yeah. The, the Sutton got you for a moment, and now you want to wiggle out of it. You want to look bad. Right. The guy's getting his money back. Nobody's going to suffer from this. Right. Yeah? So listen to this. One Bryce says, you could do that. Huh? Why is that normal? Why is that normal? Because a ray, the, the way that a, a person's mind is going to function during tshuva is, how can I write this in a way that I keep my dignity? That's a normal thought for a person to have. I'll, I'll get it back to the person, but I'll retain my dignity. I have to lose my dignity because I stole? That's a normal thought. So he made a mistake. Huh? I made a mistake. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write it. Yeah. So I took a hundred. I'm giving the guy a wedding present of fifty. I'm throwing in an extra hundred. I think that's a totally normal thought. Sure. Okay. One Bryce says it's okay. You got the money back. You're good. Another Bryce says no. You have not fulfilled your obligation. You have to let the guy know that the hundred dollars is back is back in his pocket now. Savrua, they were thought in the yeshiva, the Kuliyama Islu, Rabbi Yisak Dalmar, who says, other Muslims, that the owner knows that the money's stolen, and if the owner knows the money's stolen, so now we still have a machlek, is my love, the one who says you could do it, he holds that once the owner counts, so the, the, the gun of his putter, the gun of his putter, why? Because the owner knows it's back in his pocket. Excuse me. The one who says you cannot return it that way, we're talking about the the sheep, is <coughs> because he's of the opinion who says minion, just counting and, and knowing you're responsible for that value again. Any pointer does not get you off the hook, says the Gwara, no. Ami, they said, You should know that if we agree with Rabiyasak, again, what's Rabiyasak's rule? That owners have a habit to feel for their money. People become aware of lost money very soon. So then, nobody would argue that once the money is counted, the robber's putter, because the owner now knows this money is back by him. Ella, but you could say that maybe not everybody even agrees with Rabbi Yitzchak's rule. What's his rule? Owners become aware of their money very quick? Not necessarily so. I'll tell you, maybe one opinion agrees with Rabbi Yitzchak, who says people know for people become aware of their money, and therefore, if you put the money back, and now the owner knows it's considered a return, and the other opinion says, no, I don't agree with their mitzvah. And wh- what's he going to say? Since people don't have a natural habit to feel for their wallet, you need to let the owner know because he has to be aware that it was stolen and given back. Because otherwise, you don't know if he's taking achrayis. Vibayasema. Another approach you could say is the kuliyama is the hudra v'yitzchak. Everybody agrees with the v'yitzchak. Like kasha, there's no question. Ha, the money v'ramalei b'kisei. One's talking about where he already counted his money and manalei b'kisei and put it into his wallet. Ha, the manalei v'ramadi day. And the other price is where he counted the money and put it into the um, uh, put it into the hand um, of the of the one that he stole it from. Okay, he, just, he, he handed it directly to him. So he knows for a fact that the owner has it back. Now, the owner could question why you're sticking it into my hand, but it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. I know that you know, I know that you, know you have the, this money by you. Another possible approach. The money of Rama both Bryce's are talking about where the original owner counted 
and put it into um, uh, put it into his kiss, put it back into his pushka, his his purse, his wallet. And it's like this. If the guy has other money in the purse, now he's going to watch the purse anyway because of the other money. And the other case is, the other price is done with a case where there, there was no other money in there. And, uh, and therefore, it's important that you inform, therefore it's important that you inform the owner so you can keep a better eye on the money. Okay, next mission. Here we go. You're walking down Times Square and somebody walks over and offers you to buy a Rolex for $100. Where's that Rolex from? Two options. Either China or somebody's house. Right? It's either from China or from somebody's house. So... Are you allowed to purchase something which is normally stolen? Says the Mishnah. Very important Mishnah. If a shepherd is selling wool, milk, or little babies, you cannot buy it from them. Baby goats, you cannot buy it from them. Shepherds are hired to watch other people's animals. We selling milk. Milk, wool. Or little baby goats, you cannot buy. If a shepherd, is a shepherd, correct. Because he's hired to watch. Correct. Shepherds don't own not, sheep. He's not doing business. That's right. Since when did the shepherd become a balabas to own milk, wool, and little babies? Vice studies, somebody else's. But like, it's the Rolex in the middle of the street. What are you, what are you doing with this? Yeah. But like Mishaimrei Peres, Eitzimu Peres. Also, if somebody is hired to be a scarecrow, and then at night they walk around town selling fruit. Excuse me, you're supposed to be watching the field, not taking fruits from the field. You're supposed to be watching from yourself, buddy. <laughs> but if a woman lives in Yehuda in Judea, you're allowed to buy clothes made out of wool. Only if they're from Judea. Ukli Pishtan, Bagalil. And if it's of a woman from the Galil, then you could buy linen from her. The Agalim, Bisharon. And if you're in the Sharon area of Eretz Yisrael, so then you could, eat, you could buy calves from them. Now, in general, women were not in business. Women were not, were not in business. And a woman also is not allowed to take something from her husband without permission. So either she's taken from somebody else's husband or her own. But you need permission for these things if you're not the balabas over it. However, in, the, in Yehuda, wool was fine to buy from them. In the Galil, flax was, and linen was okay to buy from them. And in Sharon, even babies were, uh, uh, baby goats were permitted to buy. We'll see in the Gemara the reason. Okay? It had to do with ksubas. The Kulan Sha'amru Lahatman, and if a woman sells you, even in the Galil, Sharon, or uh, Yehuda, if she says, I'm going to sell you wool, do me a favor, just put it in a brown bag. Put it in a paper bag, and don't open it until you get home. Oh, sir, you're not allowed to buy it. Why? 
you have enough information right now to know what you have to know. Right? Come, let me, let me I have a Rolex. Wait, let me show you on the side of the road. I'm going to show you. Let me show you. Next, I can't, can't open this in public, yeah? But Leichem Beitzim and Tarnagay, let me call Makam. You're allowed to buy. Uh, you're allowed to buy beitzim. You're allowed to buy eggs, betanagoylim, and chickens. Nikol makoim anywhere. Okay, fine. I wonder, what about pawnkeeper? Is that considered to be? That's business. No, so I mean, so once he has it in his possession, oh, 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 oh. So you're talking about is what's he allowed to buy from? You're talking about can you buy from a pawnkeeper? You talking about what is a pawnkeeper no, allowed to buy? Well, I I didn't realize, but your point is good. Yeah, you you have a good point because how is he able to buy from that yeah. guy? Right. So that's going to depend what stage you're at. If he's a reliable pawnkeeper, so then it will be mutter. If you if he's a reliable guy, but if he's stam a shady middleman, then you'd uh, you'd have trouble. Okay, says the Gemara. Yeah. One quick question. So what if it's a woman? Selling Rolexes in Judea. Let's let's wait. Let's wait on the women idea. Okay, let's wait on the because this needs a lot. Obviously, women are going to have a tough time with this, but we need to. This needs to be explained. Okay, so let, let's hold off on that. Here we go. Says the Gemara Torah Rabbanon. The rabbis learn that's why the rabbis ain't lechem in a rayim like isim like gedim. You know how to buy from shepherds, goats, or babies like gizim, but like talushim shaltzamer. You can't buy wool or things made out of wool. Of a lechem mayhem tvarim. You could buy uh, fabric from them, because you could assume that it is. You could assume it's theirs. Now, either it's theirs because uh, they bought it, or it's theirs because they made a shinoi. They made a complete change in it. See, if it's still the original wool, they never made a change in it, even if it was stolen. So you're 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 mamish uh, continuing the theft. However, if they wove it into a garment, so then it would be. Uh, it would be allowed because even if they did steal it, they made a kidney on it. Uh, you could buy milk and cheese if it's out uh, if it's out and about, but not in the yishuv. Okay, um, you know it wasn't normal to sell out there, and uh, and uh, therefore, even if it was, even if you had milk out there, it's not going to last. You say the owners were miyayishit to the shepherds. What is the shepherd going to do with milk that's out in the middle of the desert? Schlep it back home. To, to the masters, it was all it was all hefter. Um, uh, you could buy a lot of animals from them. See, you can't buy one animal. But you could buy a lot of animals. Why? It's too big of a risk for them. They'll lose their job if they was actually stolen. See, if they're watching fifteen animals and you buy ten, right. you buy four or five. When they come back, they're always be like, uh, "Excuse me." <laughs> yeah. Okay. So obviously, you, there's reason to assume that they have permission. It depends. It depends what type of, of sheep they are. And again, this all depends on the realities and the logic of the situation. And therefore, you have to follow the rules. What's the rule? You know, we're giving you different examples. What's the rule? Anytime you have a shepherd selling something that the owner will notice is gone, that's fine. You know why? It's not worth it for the shepherd to lose his job. Over a sale of one sheep. However, if the shepherd wants to tell you something that the owner has, is, is not going to notice, then there's a risk that it's stealing and you're not allowed to purchase it from the shepherds. You're allowed to buy four or five sheep 
or four or five uh, garments made out of wool. Why do you say why do you say four or five? Ask the Gemara a basic Gemara question. Just say four. If you could buy four, of course you could buy five. That's more noticeable by the owner. It means four out of five. Four fifths. He has to be selling a large amount. Four or five means just different examples of depending how big your flock is. But it doesn't have to be like a strong majority. This itself is a contradiction. First we said, you could buy four or five. Arba v'chamishim, which means four or five. Yeah, v'shalishleif. You're selling three. No, emasivah. Then we said, avolishteitzayin, not two. Hashalizavnina. See, the Gemara is asking a basic question, which is, we said you can't buy two sheep from a flock. You know what you could buy? Four or five. What happened to number three? Why did you tell me two? Two you could buy. What does that mean? Three? No. And he said, you know what? You're not allowed to buy. You, you know what? You could buy four or five, which means three. Yes. Right? I'm sorry. The opposite. You can't buy two, but you could buy three. And if you tell me you, you can't buy, you could buy four or five, that means you cannot buy three. Like Kasha, ha, says the Gemara, ha bebrayasa, one's dealing with um, uh, uh, healthy sheep, ha bechishasa, the other one's dealing with uh, uh, weaker sheep. Okay, what does that mean? So if it's a healthy sheep, you can't buy, uh, you could buy three. You know why? The owner will notice faster. Owners don't keep their eye on shvacha sheep. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they, they keep their eye on healthy sheep. So, but it still has some value to them. So if the guy's selling you four or five, then it's okay by weaker sheep. You can't buy three weaker sheep because the owner may not notice. But you could buy three healthy sheep because then there's no concern of it, uh, it being taken from the owner. Okay, let's do, let's see, where are we at? Yeah, let's do one more short piece of Gemara and we'll get to the top of Tomorrow's daf, and we'll mamish be back on track. Here we go. Rebuta says, if it's a domestic sheep, you could buy, but if it's like an undomesticated, you're not allowed to buy from the shepherds. You buy little questions, searching for information. Rebuta, Arisha, Kayu, Lechomra, is Rebuta being strict? Aidoma, Asefa, Kayu, Lekula, is he being lenient? What does this mean? The Gemara explains. Arisha, Kayu, Lechomra, is Rebuta going on the first halach of our Mishnah, we said you're allowed to buy four or five sheep, and because the owner will notice, honey, me buys us, and Rabbi says, you should know when you're allowed to buy it, that's by domestic sheep. But by uh, undomesticated sheep, you know, ones that, that graze out in the wilderness, I feel about you can't buy four or five because it's less known by the masters. The masters are more aware of the sheep that come home at night. They're not so familiar with the amount of sheep that are out in the wilderness. Is going on the end and he's being lenient. He allows you to buy two uh, sheep that are domestic. You know why? Because the owner will notice. So maybe if, they're, if they don't come home every night, you cannot buy it. But if they do, maybe I could even purchase two. Tashma, come listen. Rebuta says, Leichem Baises Mehem. You're allowed to buy domestic sheep from shepherds. You're not allowed to buy the desert sheep. You should know you can always purchase four or five sheep. Now, what does it mean always you can purchase four or five? He's being, going on the seifa, and he's being lenient. Okay, he's being lenient. And he's saying that it's only a problem to purchase two when it is out, out and about. But at home, it wouldn't be an issue because the owner would notice. Shmami no, this is a good proof. We'll hold it here for today. Best of tomorrow, we're going to be to start the final daf 
of Mesechus Babakama. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening.